Frisco live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Saturday show, hour number three here on the Zone Sports Network. Of course, live from Stocksville Honda. Uh, make sure you come by and see us. We'll tell you more about what deals they have going on. Uh, Eric back in the studio and Jake Hatch is down at JCW's. Uh, Jake, last night, big win for the Utah Jazz as they defeated the Milwaukee Bucks in a thriller. Boyan Bogdanovich hits that corner three. Mm-hmm. place goes crazy. Uh, it was just a really fun game last night. Well, yeah, it was. It was thrilling. Uh, obviously, Jazz fans feel a lot better about that win because of Boyan hitting that three because they absolutely collapsed in the final minute and a half of that game pretty much. And the nice part is we talked about this earlier on the show, Adrian. Winning cures all, and that's all that matters is that that three goes down for Boyan Bogdanovich. He gets the big embrace from his teammates who come running out onto the floor, and uh, it, it takes away all of the other stuff that uh, fans would have worried about had they lost the game. I know the coaching staff with the Jazz is not going to overlook all of the issues they had down the stretch in that game, but the nice part is, is they won the game all the same. Yeah, you get a, the film session's a little easier when you know the result yes. is going to be you winning. Yeah, no, absolutely. You win the game and you feel a lot better. You, you go in there and the coaches are harping on you about certain things, but it makes it easier to accept that criticism knowing yeah. you have a win under your belt. Yeah, and they didn't practice today, so it sounds like they're giving them a day off. And uh, they'll be back because uh, they take on the um, they take on the Golden the Warriors. Warriors on Monday. Yep. But I wanted to uh, play Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, he spoke for a couple of minutes in the locker room last night, and uh, kind of a, a cool moment for him as he left the court um, on uh, the TV side of things. Uh, Christian Kenny did the walk off with Boyan, and uh, the crowd was chanting for him. He was really excited about it, and uh, but. He also spoke a little bit about it in the locker room after the game, and here's what Boyan had to say. So uh, we've already welcomed you to Salt Lake City, but I think that crowd out there gave you a, a really nice welcome and a, and a thank you tonight, too. I was just surprised that I had a standing ovation, even if I hit a, even that I hit a game winner. So great, great atmosphere once again was was playoff, playoff crowd, so it's just amazing to have them over there and uh, Every single the game. Last play? And how, how was it set up and uh, for you uh, to get it? It was shot? set up to for for Donovan to hit a to hit LA up or for me to to get a to get a three. So they they top blocked me. They didn't allow me to go off Rudy's screen to to have a have a shot on a. And then I I slipped to I slipped to baseline and I had a pretty pretty decent decent look. Quinn said you had some thoughts on yeah. the, on the final play in, in the huddle. What, what were you seeing out there that? But that's good about this team and about uh, about Quinn. He's he's here. He listened to the players because we there in the court. We are we are executing. So Mike was supposed to supposed to be on that corner, and I and I asked him to to put a mic on the other corner so I can I can sleep and, and have a have a board option to go on a on a high quadrant to have a shot on a slot or, or to slip to the corner. So that was the, that was the play. The shot's leaving your hand. Did you have a feeling it was going? I saw it right away. It's, now it's maybe it's not time to say like that, but I, I, already, I really, really saw the shot that was going in. Can you put a finger on why things are working so well for you here so quickly? For me, I mean, this I'm just 
I'm just around with a great, great group of guys and selfish players. Quinn is Quinn is great, great coach. He know how to how to how to put a, put you in a in a system. He ran a lot of a lot of sets for me. That was not the case be, before in maybe in other 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 teams, other clubs. So that's the that's the main reason why I fit well. You scored 10 in the first half and 23 in the second. What was there anything that changed at halftime? Anything? Any adjustment that you saw you could make? No, nothing. I missed I missed the two trees in a, in the second second quarter. So I kind of back off back off. Mike was Mike was in a, in a great rhythm. He had like 20 20 points in a, in the first half, and then the second half I just tried tried to get my my rhythm back. I, I had a I had a lot of lot of free throws that helped me to stay to stay hard and stay in the game. This crowd. You, I, you know about it coming in. You've played games here before. How what is it like being? I guess someone you're rooting for. I mean, I knew that there is crowd is always always behind this. I had a great crowd o- over there in Indianapolis too, but this this one is probably probably the best crowd in, in the league. It's not because I because I play here, but it's just I really I really mean that. All right, Jake and Coach, that's Boyan Bogdanovich. Back to you. Uh, there was a man of Smith stepping in last night, uh, doing a fantastic job in the locker room, uh, getting that sound. Um, Jake, I, I thought there was a lot of great stuff in that. How he talked about how he's never got, he was surprised he got a standing ovation, even though he hit a game winner. <laughs> well, he shouldn't be surprised, but right. But that's he's, a pretty cool moment for him. Yeah, no, it is a cool moment. It's his first game winner in his NBA career, if I'm not mistaken. So he's obviously kind of reveling in the moment. I, I, I uh-huh. you, you referenced the on court uh, interview he had with Kristen Kenny, where he actually like paused the interview and is like, "Hey, let me listen to these people yeah. roar for a minute." And he reveled in it. And obviously, I would revel in it too if it was me. I yep. think anybody out there would. So it's a cool moment. It's a big win for the Jazz because Milwaukee is a tough team. You knew that that game was going to be a tight one regardless of what the first half looked like and they they battled all the way through and that was that was the good part is the Jazz battled 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 and right at the end they get that win yeah and uh, there's a lot of information that we're learning more about about this team Um, when the offense looks good they're pretty hard to stop Jake and yes I, I liked what he was talking about in the huddle he said this is what makes us great is this team that Quinn listens to us and talking about Coach Snyder, and he listens to us. And they were drawing up. He said there was supposed to be to Donovan to go for a layup, and Mike Conley was supposed to be in that corner. And he said, "No, hey, Mike, let me take this corner because they've been letting me slip into this open look." And mm-hmm. Mike said, "Okay." And Mike went to the other side, and Joe Ingles threw a perfect pass. Uh, Coach Chiesel on the postgame show last night was talking about how it just—it was a perfect pass so that Boyan didn't have to make an extra turn to set himself. Uh, he put it right on the money so he could just set up into that normal pocket and uh, just take that three like you would any other time, even though there was only one second left. So cool to hear kind of what happened from multiple guys, kind of what happened in the huddle as they diagnosed away and put themselves in that situation because Rudy Gobert is such a monster, and he put himself on the other side of the court when the Bucks looks like they were going to have the opportunity, and everyone knew it was going to Chris Middleton and uh, Rudy played it perfectly. They get the ball back, and uh, they work as a team and as a unit and with a coach that will listen to his players. And uh, like Boyan said, we're on the court executing. We have a good feel of what's going on. And Coach Snyder said, let's try it. Let's go for it.
Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there, Adrian. And the, the play that Rudy defended on Chris Middleton, we talked about this earlier. Middleton had to turn over his left shoulder and didn't yeah. see that Rudy was there. And Rudy played defended it perfectly. You're right. He absolutely defended it perfectly. But then uh, you mentioned that Coach Chiesa in the postgame last night brings up the fact that the pass from Joe to Boyan made it so he didn't have to do anything. All he had to do yeah. was get into shooting form and release that shot. That is a almost a microcosm of how plays in the NBA, how they can go so right and also so wrong. If you right. cause a guy that has to make a turn, has to do something extra, and allows that defender that extra half step, half second to recover, defend that shot completely. And in the case of Boyan Bogdanovich, you got 1.3 seconds to get that shot off. You, you're, the buzzer is going to sound. It's kind of that microcosm of, okay, when you make the right pass and it's the perfect pass, makes things so much easier. Yeah, I know talk about in professional sports all the time those one second split decision uh decisions they uh they matter because these guys are so good and they're so yes. good at recovering they're so good at making these plays so everything has to be executed to perfection and you make a great point one side bat the pass was not the way they needed it and so rudy gobert somehow at seven foot two came unnoticed until the moment it mattered the most Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 it's fun that we we hear from coaches all the time about perfect passes leading to perfect plays, all that different stuff. Well, last night kind of showed that because when guys, we, we, we've seen it from guys on the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, they have the ability to get shots off in what they call the fo- in a phone booth where they can go up and just release that shot almost immediately. Well, Boyan Bogdanovich has got a similar type of ability. He doesn't need a lot of space to get that shot off. And when he has a pass that hits him right where it needs to be all he's got to do is rise and shoot and the result is a big win for the jazz last night yeah so big time win 103 100 exciting moment that's the kind of thing you hope for as a fan especially correct the, all the videos in the arena it was it was such a tremendous moment you know that uh, it was hilarious when they tried to hit him with the the gatorade bath with the water jug mm-hmm. and they completely missed him because he dodged <laughs> i think it was donovan and royce they yeah. missed him and a, a camera guy took the brunt of it and just went down it, he was fine and so it was just a funny moment uh, everyone's used to him doing the water bottles on him so they they went with the whole water jug it was a cool moment they all mobbed him it was it was great yeah, no, and that, it adds, it's well-deserved. It was a good night yeah. for the Jazz to win the game because they already beat the 76ers earlier on in the week. You've got to go against what quite possibly might be the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm sure Boston, the Celtics, would have something to say about that. But the nice part is it's two big wins for the Jazz after they dropped back-to-back games the weekend before in Sacramento and also against the Clippers. So this is going to be an interesting season. We're only nine games in, Adrian. You know that as well as anybody doing the Jazz yeah. games. You produce all of them. But... The start to this season is better than what I think most Jazz fans would have expected. They've had some tough losses, but also a lot of thrilling wins. And this week, it's an interesting week, Jake, because they've got probably one of the most brutal back-to-backs I can think of when it comes to NBA basketball. Is Oh, never mind. I I had it backwards. But they do go. I thought they were going to Brooklyn from Golden State. I was like, that's not very nice of the NBA. Yeah, uh, but no, they, they've got, they're on the road late, 8.30 tip, and then they take on the Brooklyn Nets at home. Kyrie Irving going to be in town. So back-to-backs are tough, but I believe they're going to be able to go into Golden State and get a victory. And then you got a tough one against Brooklyn, who, you know, Kyrie already might be tearing apart that locker room a little bit from <laughs> the reports. But then you go to Memphis. You get John Morant, who's been very exciting in his rookie year, but you should be able to get a win there. Minnesota's interesting. You play them two times in a row. Jake, we've seen this a couple times. 
the last couple of weeks, but or a couple of years where you play the same team kind of back to back. Yeah, this for week, whatever reason, it's just yeah. a weird thing about NBA schedules. But it, it does it does look weird because yeah, you're at home one night, two yeah. nights later we're playing the same team in their hometown. So yep. whatever. So it uh, should be a week where they, I, I expect them to get a win over Golden State. Back to backs, you never really know, but I think they can go three and zero this week and uh, really show that they've fixed some things that had been ailing them a little bit. Maybe that Sacramento LA back-to-back loss kind of woke them up and they said, "Look, we got to get better in all these areas. The defense has been good, but we got to mm-hmm. rebound, we got to play better offense." And like we talked about earlier, this is why this team was put together. Because I don't know if you get that look with if you got a Ruby or a Jay Crowder. Or actually you probably get the look, honestly, and uh, I don't know if it goes in. Yeah, you have a good point there, and you never know, obviously, because it'd be a whole different scenario. But the nice part is, Adrian, yes, they set themselves up here where they can take advantage of this. And it's not to say the Golden State's a bad team, but they're not the Golden State of old. So you have an opportunity here to go get a win over what was used to be a big Western Conference rival. Go on the road, do that. You also mentioned the fact that they've got Brooklyn coming in. Well, Kyrie by himself has been lights out so far this year. They've got a plenty of good players on Brooklyn. It's a big week ahead for the Jazz as it's going to be all season long. You and I both know this. The, yep. the, with the expectations the Jazz have placed upon them in the preseason, every game's going to be scrutinized to a higher degree than it has been in previous seasons. The nice part is, I think what we've seen the early returns on what the Jazz have been able to do. You've seen guys like Donovan Mitchell win games. You've seen Boyan Bogdanovich win a game last night. You're seeing contributions from across this roster, which I I don't, I'm not sure we would have seen a year ago with the roster as it was a year ago. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, and as far as the NBA goes, uh, Jake, kind mm-hmm. of some interesting, you know, it's early, sample size, but uh, the Lakers seemingly are better than maybe some would have expected, although because people didn't really, they knew LeBron and Anthony Davis were good, but what was the rest of the team going to look like? Uh, the Celtics right now are top of the Eastern Conference, again, early, but kind of mm-hmm. interesting there. Uh, have there been any surprise teams for you or surprise letdowns? Because like like Portland being 3-6 and six right now is a little surprising to me, especially you get 60 points out of Damian Lillard and you find a way to lose. <laughs> That, that, well, see, and that, that's the kind of thing that you look at and you're like, how in the world do you lose a game that you had one player go off for 60 points? But right. only in the NBA does stuff like that happen. I'm with you. I think the Portland Trailblazers is off to a disappointing slow start this year uh, by their expectations and kind of what they had projected for them. Uh, teams that have surprised me so far, Adrian, the Phoenix Suns. Talk about a team that plays together. They 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 figured some things out. I think Monty Williams proves that a proven head coach can make a big difference with a franchise that has been synonymous with losing over the last decade, it feels like. Uh, so I've been impressed with what Phoenix has shown early on. A team that's disappointed me out of the gate, and it's partially uh, due to the fact that the number one overall pick, Zion Williamson, has been injured, are the New Orleans Pelicans. They're 1-7. Uh, they're at the bottom of the Western Conference right now. Kind of disappointing to see their start to the season as compared to all the hype coming in. Because I remember when they announced the international TV schedule, it seemed like New Orleans was featured all the time. And that was obviously due to the Zion factor. But the fact that they're sitting at 1-7 and seven can't be good times going on in San Diego right now. Uh, yeah, and uh, 
I mean, not in San Diego, New Orleans. What did I say San Diego for? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe there's a team there soon. But yeah, Derek Favors, also former Jazz guy, not playing a lot, coming off the bench like nine minutes a game. So uh, they should be better, and the Kings should be better. I think. I think those two teams, like you're talking about, are kind of where coaching makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry might not be uh, exactly what those teams need. Maybe when Zion comes back, things change for New Orleans. But recovering from one and seven is tough. The Kings are trying to make a go at it. They started and they they've battled and gotten themselves to three and six. As strange as as that sounds, uh, Dallas might be for real. They got a huge night out of Luka Doncic last night and lost. So some big yeah. time scores last night that didn't win. D'Angelo yeah. Russell at 50-something. Yeah, I love watching Luka Doncic play. I yeah. think he's a fantastic player. And him paired with Kristaps Porzingis, I think Dallas is going to be a factor all season long. Uh, we all kind of looked at that roster and said, okay, once these guys are all on the court together, this is going to be a team that can be a difference maker. The Western Conference, by and large, though, I, I look at it, and I feel like some of the teams like New Orleans, uh, a team like Golden State, there were, we were you and I both talked in the preseason, Adrian, that we thought, okay, if Golden State's the 6-7-8 seed going into the playoffs, they're going to be a threat. Well, then, of course, Steph Curry gets injured, and now it yep. looks like Golden State may just pull a pull the plug on this season. Really, just kind of like, you know, yeah, exactly. Kinda, so, just they may pull the plug on it and decide, you know what, we're going to play for the lottery this year, reset next year. Who knows? But the Western Conference, by and large, there's still plenty of competition. But a few of the teams, speaking of like Phoenix and Dallas, better than we thought, and then teams like New Orleans and Golden State, a lot worse than we thought early on. That's why the NBA, you never know, right? Yes, exactly. On paper, you just can't decide. So, uh, big thanks to Boyan Bogdanovich uh, with Amanda Smith in the locker room to uh, give us some uh, sound last night. Sounds like he was very excited, very happy with his choice. Uh, to come to to uh, the Utah Jazz. So uh, big win for them, great shot, game winner. Uh, that's what all basketball players dream of, Jake, is hitting that shot to win a game. <laughs> yeah, well, we all do it. We all we all have dreamed as a kid growing up in your backyard, that game-winning shot. And it's cool to see a guy like Boyan really just kind of revel in that moment. Yep, totally. Um, we're here, Jake, at Stockton 12 Honda uh, here in the Auto Mall, 10860 South Auto Mall Drive in Sandy. Really easy to find. Come see us. We've got some shirts. We're here for about another half hour. Um, we've got clearance on all remaining 2019 vehicles, and it's. Uh, I was just talking to Johnny in the break. It's it's pumping tonight. There's a, today. There's Sweet. a lot of people coming in to uh, look at cars. So hopefully everyone gets out of here in the ride that we talked to somebody. They got a couple cars today. So uh, that that's one way to do it. We talked about you can get two Hondas for 12 bucks a day. So that's one way to walk out of here like that. Um, there's also you can get the Civic for five dollars a day, Accord for six honda crv for seven dollars a day and if you get uh walk out of here with the purchase of a honda certified pre-owned car they'll send you out with a 50 dollar megaplex gift card so come down check us out it's been a lot of fun today uh on the other side jake i want to expand on what we kind of touched on earlier tony parks and brian jones talked about it what should the committee be looking at when it comes to playoff teams we're kind of uh prognosticating when it comes to who's going to be left standing by the end of these three weeks. You mentioned earlier there's still a lot of football to play, but uh, a lot of interesting things could happen, and uh, we'll talk about that. And I'll also give you a scoreboard update from across the world of college football. There's a lot to go here on the Saturday show. We'll get to that all coming up here on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on back to the 
Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Appreciate, it. Uh, appreciate you taking some time out of your Saturday afternoon to give a listen to Jake and I. Follow Jake at Jacob C. Hatch. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter at AP Lizer. Uh, come by and see us. We're at Stockton 12 Honda here in the Automall. Uh, Jake, interesting turn of events in Tuscaloosa. It's halftime, and Alabama yep. is putting the hurt. Or, I mean, the other way around. LSU is putting the hurt on Alabama, 33-13. to 13. All LSU not, so far. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd ever say that I see Nick Saban at on his home field giving up 33 first-half points. But, alas, here it is. And it's a credit to LSU. They have absolutely taken it to Alabama. It's still only halftime. I'm sure there'll be plenty of adjustments coming in this game. But for in terms of an opening half, I'm not sure you could have scripted it much better if you're an LSU Tiger. Yeah, 33 points is the most an opponent has scored in a single half against Nick Saban's time at Alabama. So uh, I'm getting that from Alex Scarborough of ESPN. So uh, most okay. points he's ever given up at Alabama in a half, Jake. And uh, LSU's for real. We talked about uh, with Scotty and Kevin White uh, of the Utah State broadcast because they went down there to watch that mm-hmm. team in person. And uh, they said they're for real. And I think it's so uh, it's so accurate when everyone says – uh, LSU has always had all the pieces. They just haven't quite put it together at the quarterback position. And this is the year they get a transfer out of Ohio State and Joe Burrows. And uh, he's leading them to where they've never been, it seems. Yeah, he is. And uh, you look at it and you would have thought a kid from Ohio who was Mr. Basketball and everything going to, going to Ohio State, a career backup. He makes that graduate transfer to LSU and had a decent season a year ago for LSU, but I'm not sure anybody had what he's doing this year in mind right. for him. But it is a credit to that coaching staff for them to go out and do what they have done, really put him in positions to succeed. It is kind of crazy to see LSU running RPOs and running stuff out of shotgun all the time. But, hey, that's a credit to Ed Orgeron for his willingness to adapt to what he has talent-wise. And it really looks like LSU is a true title contender. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got to be the best team right now, don't they? Yeah. Like. Yes, you'd think so, yeah. But we'll, obviously there's still a half, there's a half of football to go here, obviously, and I'm sure Alabama is not going to just roll over and let LSU uh, take, take control of this game. But it will be – it does bear watching because it looks like, yeah, Ohio State looks very much for real in the Big Ten. Clemson, if they're undefeated, they're not going to be left out of the college football playoff. And obviously I think the winner of this game pretty much is going to uh, seal a spot in the playoff for themselves, barring them having a catastrophic loss before the end of the season. I think whoever wins this is very much in the playoff field. Yeah, and if Alabama gets um – run out of there like they are right now that has a huge effect as well on the correct of if if the sec were to get two teams in because that was the argument if this is a close and well played game uh do you let two sec teams in if the sec east kind of plays out but if this is how it goes i don't really know Mm -hmm. how much alabama is going to need a lot of help jake and that's part of the conversation that has been going on is should these one loss teams that get in um need a conference championship under the belt under their belts and if they do do they stand on better footing than a team that doesn't win this conference championship you're tony jones or uh, tony parks brian and, yeah and brian, brian jones. jones that's yeah. funny tony way jones, to put that brian together jones, tony parks. <laughs> yep uh too many names that are all the same but anyway you heard tony and brian talk about how tony believes the best four should get in and brian thinks it should be weighted towards 
um, conference championships. So, well, yeah, and what Brian's saying there, Adrian, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what Brian is trying to say, what his argument was on that, is the fact that the stated uh, goals and the kind of the the guidelines that the playoff committee has set for them is to value conference championships. Mm-hmm. It's just been a matter of since they've started this college football playoff, they haven't always given that the. Um, the weight that it is apparently supposed to have held for it. I kind of go with Tony. I think it should be the four best teams. Let's be real. This is all about entertainment. They want the four teams. They're going to bring the most eyeballs to those college football playoff semifinal games and obviously the college football playoff national championship. So there's no doubt that that's going to factor into it. My my worry, Adrian, is that, yeah, if, if Alabama does get just blown out here by LSU, we'll see what happens with the rest of this game, is that Alabama's strength of schedule is not all that strong. They just have not really? played yeah. stout teams, and that's been a hallmark of Nick Saban's tenure as head coach there in Tuscaloosa. I do wonder if they do get boat raced in this game, that if their strength of schedule will knock them down enough that where they, even if they are a one-loss SEC champion, the, they uh, do face the kind of have to face, okay, do we not win this? Sorry, let me back up. They they have to win the SEC championship to get themselves into it, but can they win that SEC championship against a team like Georgia who very much will look at what LSU is doing to them and have a similar game plan in place? And certainly, I mean, this... They, if they were to lose this game and LSU then, I mean, Alabama would need a lot of help for LSU. They would need LSU to drop two in a row, right? Correct, yeah, In order absolutely. for Alabama to be involved in that SEC title game. So if this stands kind of the way it is, I would say Alabama's probably outside looking in now, especially because there's so many one-loss quality and some undefeated quality teams left in the college football playoffs. Like your Minnesota Golden Gophers, we yeah. got it. Like, Yeah, <laughs> right, but I, wouldn't, I don't expect them to go – uh, yeah, lot to win out, but I mean, you got Baylor there, you've got correct um, Ohio State there, you've got Utah and Oregon. These are teams that are going to be in the conversation as conference champions, which I really think is going to be a heavy have a heavier effect this season, Jake, than maybe it has in the past because yes. they're going to have to figure out who stands out more than the other ones. Yeah, it is going to be a crowded field for those final four spots. And obviously, Adrian, let's just say Alabama does get left out of the college football playoff. Guess who's going to be banging the drum for an eight-game playoff right away? Why why the heck isn't there an eight-game playoff? Exactly. There's going to be a bunch of about. There's going to be a bunch of noise coming from Tuscaloosa and SEC country about that. That's obviously still weeks away before that uh, field is ultimately finally set. But a game like today will go a long way to determining what ultimately is going to play out. If LSU does win this game, yes, they're the odds-on favorite to win the SEC, uh, go to the college football playoff. And I, I do agree with you, Adrian, that Alabama could face long odds to get themselves into the field simply due to the quality of everybody else in the other conferences. You mentioned the two contenders in the Pac-12. We've got Oklahoma and Baylor seemingly on a cl- collision course in the Big 12. The Big 10's got Ohio State sitting there, Minnesota. There are going to be plenty of teams that are going to have quality resumes. And it may be a year where the SEC, yeah, they can argue all they want for we need we deserve two teams. Well, guess what? This year, that argument's going to be a lot harder to make. Let's put it that way. Yeah, totally. In Georgia, they're, like you mentioned, they're kind of sitting there at 7-1. and one. They have that loss to South Carolina, but Correct. because of the division they play in, they're going to get another crack at one of these teams. Yeah, because they beat and, Florida uh, last week, which essentially puts right. them on, on track to be in the SEC championship. And really, if you're, if you're a Pac-12 fan, you're kind of hoping that Clemson makes a mistake and drops one somewhere along the line. Uh, Correct. Because the, the ACC is terrible. Oh, my gosh, But when gosh, you've got yeah. the defending national champion, and when they're undefeated, you can't do anything about keeping them out. I don't think. I know the playoff the committee kept them out in this first set, 
But uh, the first ranking is just kind of a uh, – it seems to me they just throw teams in and say, well, you know what? We Like for Penn State, they're going to say, well, we had them in, but then they lost. What do you want from us? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no, Big Ten. And then Clemson's going to find their way in just because the ACC is so terrible. And, correct. Uh, and they're the defending title. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that that's where it kind of lies. You sit there and say, okay, well, if, um, if we have – X number of teams for X number of slots, four slots in this case. Yeah, it does make the math just doesn't add up. And that you, you look at Clemson, and absolutely, the ACC is the weakest Power Five conference, top to bottom this season. Has probably been for a couple of years in my mind. I know people would argue the Pac-12, but I just I look at it and I feel like. Uh, that if Clemson were to drop a game, the ACC probably does get shut out. And if you're a Pac-12 fan, a University of Utah fan, or Oregon Duck, or just a fan of the conference in general, you want that to happen because it'd be cool to see the champion of the Pac-12 do get into the playoff this year after all of the all of the crap that they've had to kind of go through with all the all the talk that Larry Scott's running this running this conference into the ground. The Pac-12 network distribution issues. There's so many different things that have gone against the Pac-12. It would be nice to see them finally get somebody into the playoff this year. Yeah, I totally. And I think both teams could compete. Um, you know, LSU looks like they're totally this monster right now, but I think Oregon and Utah could compete in a playoff setting. I think so. I, I, I think Kyle Whittingham, yeah. he would know how to get a team prepared for that moment. Oh, absolutely. And they'd obviously probably be a three or a four seed, so the underdog in that right. game. And, of course, you know how Kyle Whittingham, when he has an underdog mentality, he will play that up to the max with his team. I Here's the thing, Adrian. Just me as an observer, and, of course, we live in Pac-12 country out here in Utah. I want to see the Pac-12 in the playoff this year, regardless of if it's Utah or Oregon. I'd like to see Utah, obviously, for just – personal reasons because it helps business for us in the radio world here in Utah but I do just want to see the Pac-12 finally make the playoff field and give themselves an opportunity to make a national statement after they've been shut out for a couple of seasons totally and a couple and you know what today was one of those days that if you're a Pac-12 fan you were kind of hoping happens you're hoping that this LSU Alabama kind of sticks the way it is and it, it you know it ends up being a big victory for LSU Alabama like you mentioned in, uh, and very correctly, was their strength of schedule has been great. Finally, they run into somebody of uh, that's legitimate, it seems, and uh, LSU putting the hurt on them. You hope that as a Pac-12 fan stands, and you also are happy to see Minnesota upset Penn State, a team that mm-hmm. was in that first round of playoff rankings, especially to a team. You know, if, if Penn State had lost to Ohio State 31-26, to I think there's still an argument for Penn State, right? But because yeah, no, ab- absolutely. is seventeenth yeah. in the country, maybe they don't get as big of a Penn State suffers more because of that than if it were against a team like Ohio State. Well, and see, in Penn State, they're gonna they can still be a factor down the down the down the stretch yeah. here, where they've only lost the one game now, so they'll still be in the mix. But it does. It, it does gonna it, yeah you're right it is gonna hurt them more simply due to the fact that they lost to the quote unquote 17th ranked team in the country. I do think that Minnesota has been underrated to this point. I think you're gonna see them make a big time jump this week. I'm not sure they'll jump into the top four, but I think you'll see them inside the top eight or so. Yeah, they're gonna they really shuffled things up today. And this Alabama, I could see Alabama dropping pretty heavily if they don't. Uh, come back and make this game interesting or win it. So this going to be a lot of fun wait, waiting out the last three weeks of college football. This is kind of what, when the playoff was announced, you can argue whether or not it's enough games. And mm-hmm. I think you and I would both agree that they should expand it. I think minimum to six, you know, maybe you give 
two, the top two yeah. seeds a bye in the first round. You have one at large. All the conference champions get in, and you have one at large. Maybe that, to me, that seems fair in my in in my own mind. You give one bye to the top two teams, and everyone else has to fight it out, kind of like that NFL model. Correct. Uh, but yeah. This is kind of that. This is the year that's not fun for the committee, but very fun for college football fans. Exactly. It's going to make for a lot of debate, a lot of talking. Of course, it's the industry we're in, Adrian, is we're in the debate industry with sports radio. It does make for a fun month here as we run up to conference championship week and then obviously get into bowl season. We're just going to be able to talk back and forth because each week, each win, each uh, each upset, etc., is going to affect this field. And with as many teams as it looks like are going to be in the mix, having an opportunity to get into the playoff field, that's going to make just for a lot of fun because every game is going to mean more now versus a season where it's very clear there may be one, two, or three teams and we're kind of just playing out the string. It seems like we've got five, six, seven, eight teams that have legit aspirations of winning a national title. And frankly, it's good, I think, just for the fun of it, that surprise teams like Baylor and Minnesota are still undefeated at this point. Because maybe, <laughs> yes. they're, not, maybe they're not teams that are actually going to – they're probably not going to actually get in, but it's fun for the conversation that two teams that no one had uh, anywhere close to their radar. I mean, as a Minnesota fan, I was hoping they'd go 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. As a Baylor fan, you're probably thinking something similar. All of a sudden, Baylor is climbing up the rankings, and you're watching them on a Thursday night against West Virginia. You're like, dang, that team – is undefeated then they went in triple overtime today so these teams are also good as part of the conversation i think correct yeah and that that's going to make for an exciting stretch on here a lot of debate a lot of emotion obviously fan bases are going to go up and down as they kind of ride out this season regardless of where your team's at and yeah if you are a baylor or a minnesota fan you're dreaming of a bunch of upsets in front of you and you make do yep. make that dream run and get into that field you'd be the ultimate uh, cinderella run to make it but it would be cool to see one of those two teams make it into that field because it would show that a team from outside of what we call the elite can make that playoff field yeah, and all of a sudden, I mean, speaking as a Minnesota fan, all of a sudden the Rose Bowl is a real conversation. So I don't know if hey. they go undefeated the rest of the way, but you're talking yeah. about maybe similar to what Utah fans are thinking. Yeah, they, so they might get they might not get yeah. a team in the playoff, but look, all of a sudden you you're lose to Ohio State, they go to the title game, and you're in a Rose Bowl. All of a sudden, Utah, if they get to that title game, lose to Oregon, maybe they're in a Rose Bowl automatically. That's an incredible season. Well, and that's kind of been the debate, just bringing it closer to home, is with Utah. Do yeah. you do you Making the playoff field obviously would be awesome, but in many ways, making the Rose Bowl, I think for Utah fans, maybe even loom larger. Does that make sense? I know that the playoff obviously has the glory with you having a chance to win the national title and all, but for Utah to play in the Rose Bowl, go down to Pasadena on New Year's Day and play in that game with its tradition, its history, against a pretty good, what we expect to be maybe a Minnesota or Penn State team in that Rose Bowl, I think it would be almost a bigger reward for the Utah for the Utes to go play in the Rose Bowl this year than it would to play in a, in the playoff in a way. And I know that sounds very weird. Obviously, if you can have a chance to win a national title, you chase that with, with everything you got. But if you do lose, happen to lose to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, hey, there is no shame in playing in the granddaddy of them all. Right, or even what if you go, you beat Oregon in that game and you've controlled yeah, everything exactly. you could. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you still mm-hmm. go to the Rose Bowl. You know, you feel like you got left out, but you won all. You put yourself in the best position, and you stumbled once in week four. You're eleven and against, one. Sorry, twelve and one at that U, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, against a USC team that they were playing for their coach, they were playing for everything. 
in that game. That was that was USC season was on the line, and Michael Pittman went off in that day. And you look back, you say, dang, wish we could have won that game, but look at us. We won all the way out. We won a Pac-12 title, and now we're playing in a Rose Bowl. Uh, I Correct. think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that, for controlling your own destiny. Yeah, yeah that right there. And that, see, that's the issue. The only thing I have with Utah and them chasing a playoff spot is they just don't have the national cachet that some of these other programs yeah. have, and I feel like that would hurt them in the committee's eyes. And I know that's not supposed to affect them in the committee's eyes, but as we already mentioned, the playoff is all about the, the four teams who draw the most eyeballs, and they are mm-hmm. going to value that over everything else. You can have a dog and pony show, whatever you want to say, regardless. If Utah, if it comes down to, let's, let's say the debate is, we have Alabama or Utah. Who do we want in the playoff field? It's tough to say that Utah's going to win out in that scenario. And yeah. I know that, that Utah fans, hey, I understand that it's going to hurt your feelings, but it's the truth of the matter is, regardless, if Utah is 12-1 and and gets left out of the playoff field, you won 12 games. You're going to the Rose Bowl. There is nothing to sniff at with regards to that. Exactly. And you'd have a Pac-12 title on your belt. So Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be fascinating, Jake. I think you and I both agree that pretty special season on the line for Utah, and I don't expect them to drop another game until maybe that title game. So no, uh, it's going to be neither. a lot of fun. Um, we're going to take a break, wrap things up here from Stockton 12 Honda on the Saturday show as well, and we'll get a little preview of the Cougar pregame show with Jake Hatch down there. Uh, he'll be with Will Snowden. So we'll get a little preview of that, what to expect with BYU today, and uh, we'll make way for them coming up next here on the Saturday show. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hallelujah. Welcome back to Saturday show here, wrapping things up at Stockton 12 Honda with Jake Hatch. Jake, it's been a good mm-hmm. show today. It has. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did have a lot of fun. Hey, I got a funny stat for you. Okay. Um, did you know that – I just read this. Did you know that Joe Burrow is 27 days older than Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, That's fascinating. That stuff like fascinating. that, that yeah. stuff like that always plays out. It's just kind of funny to like think, okay, this young man's been in college football for this long while this guy's been yep. in the pros for X number of years. It's crazy. Tearing things up for the Ravens. Yeah. Right so, ah, it's all interesting. Uh, Jake, before we uh, wrap things up here, it's Dr. 12 Honda. Give us a little preview of what you guys will be talking about next. Well, yeah, Will Snowden and I will have the Cougar pregame show carrying you right up to kickoff against Liberty uh, starting at 4 o'clock. We're going to hear uh, from some of the coaches and players around the BYU football program. We'll also catch up with Hugh Freeze, interview we played earlier today on the Saturday show as well. Uh, interesting game for the Cougars here because this starts off a three-game stretch where they should be heavily favored and should uh, win all of these games. It will be interesting to see how BYU comes out and handles this because obviously Liberty's a high-flying offense but not a very good defense. So we'll see if the Cougars can contain what the Flames have on offense and get their offense rolling like they had a week ago against Utah State. Yep, should be pretty interesting. Uh, I think you and I both expect BYU to get a big win tonight. Will Snowden, I think he had... BYU putting up 50-plus today, so you'll have to ask him about that. With BYU, how Liberty uh, looks on defense, that's not, it's not out of the question. <laughs> yes, and, uh, but Hugh Freeze not coaching in a hospital bed anymore. He is ready to go. Correct. Uh, so uh, make sure to listen to that. Jake's doing double duty today as he will be on the Cougar preview show. We're wrapping things up here at Stockton 12 Honda. 
don't forget to come see uh, come see them down here. They've got a clearance on all remaining 2019 vehicles. You get that Civic for $5 a day, Honda Accord for $6 a day, the CRV for $7 a day, and a $50 Megaplex gift card with the purchase of a Honda certified for vehicle, Jake. So big thanks to Stockton 12 Honda for having us. And uh, for Jake Scott, or for Jake Hatch, and for I'm Adrian Lizer, Eric back to studio, and Johnny here setting things up, uh, giving out the, the uh, prizes and everything. We'll wrap things up here at Stockton 12 Honda. Make way for Jake coming up next with the Cougar Preview Show from JCW's. That's all here on the Zone Sports Network.